AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the crop insurance industry. With increasing commodity prices, higher price volatility, and rising input costs, America's farmers and ranchers are relying on crop insurance more now than ever before to provide individualized protection and to secure operating loans. Protecting 256 million acres of farmland and 350 commodities across the U.S., crop insurance is the primary safety net for many farmers, enabling them to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. Crop insurance, providing peace of mind now and for the next generation of agriculture. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. Jim Collins from DuPont, uh, Vice President of uh, quite a number of things, including Industrial Biosciences. Welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Great, Ken. Uh, happy to be here with you. What's your role in DuPont's cellulosic ethanol business? One of my primary roles is I'm the, the president of our industrial biosciences business, uh, and that business is really the, the collection of, of focus that DuPont has on using uh, e- enzymes and, and, and uh, uh, some of the gifts that Mother Nature gives us uh, to try to you know, unlock uh, a biomass to be used in industrial processing. So we've been doing this for years with our Serona carpet where we produce uh, PDO from corn. Uh, that's one example. We also work in first-generation biofuels, and we're going to talk a little bit here today about some of the exciting work that we've been doing in second-generation. So I manage the collection of those businesses and then recently I've been asked to also manage our, our polymers businesses in DuPont, and that's uh, a really good next step because it, it, it says, it telegraphs sort of DuPont's strategy around, you know, taking that next big step around renewable materials beyond just the things we're doing in, in biofuels. Well, you tie it together pretty well of your larger business goals for the entire company, and uh, that appears to point out that you think there is a strong future in advanced biofuels for DuPont and for the agribusiness industry. You know, you know, we believe there's an enormous potential in this uh, in, in this industry, and we we um, obviously with our with our Pioneer Seed you know division, we're we're very connected to, to agriculture. And then, as you know, Dupont has been an industrial uh, chemicals company for a lot of years. And when you start to think about the the power of now putting all of that together, and you know, using our knowledge of agriculture and and unlocking those gifts that Mother Nature gives us to kind of drive a a renewable energy, a renewable materials, a renewable chemicals um, future, uh, we're, uh, we're pretty excited about it. You know, we've been in traditional fuel for a number of years, and we think we're sort of um, just at the tip of the iceberg with that. I mean, think about the greenhouse gas benefits that would come from a, a second-generation cellulosic chemical or a cellulosic polymer or even a biofuel. You know, we could reduce emissions by up to uh, 86%. And... Um, we also talk about jobs here. You know, this is this is about a way to take all of that biomass that is out there in the countryside that, that we have every year and put that to good work. And so it means new plants in rural America. Uh, it means new opportunities to create uh, new fuels and, and new value for states that, that are looking for those uh, type of things. So, you know, we think this is a great economic opportunity. It's, it's great for the environment and um, and certainly it's really good for things like energy security uh, for, for, the, for the country's future. 
Well, a major definition of advanced biofuels is that their carbon footprint is 50% or less than the traditional fuels. Um, what quantity of advanced biofuels are you currently producing at DuPont? So at this point in time, um, in that advanced category, we really only have a pilot plant that, that we're running in, uh, in Tennessee, in Von Orr, um, Tennessee. So this is a you know 150,000-gallon uh, type of facility. It was really designed to just demonstrate the, the technology. Uh, but the um, well, let's talk about. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, but the facility that we're under construction right now in uh, in Nevada, Iowa, there just uh, just to the east of of Ames. You know, will will be a much uh, much larger facility, uh, and and so it's in the 30 million gallon uh, per year uh, range. So this will be another big commercial demonstration step, and then uh, over time we would expect to be part of a licensing and and construction business that would design and build and and help to start up maybe a hundred of these plants across the United States over the next uh, decade. So that's the kind of scale that, that we're talking about here with this next big step. I've asked this question before, almost to the point it makes me smile, but when will you begin producing cellulosic ethanol at uh, this plant in Nevada? So as I mentioned, we're underway right now. If you've uh, driven by the facility, you'll see that there's big steel coming out of the ground and you're starting to see some of the large uh, fermenters. Um, we have said that we would expect to, to start up and make first ethanol in the second half of 2014. And so as we look at our schedule and our progress, we're, uh, we're on, you know, pretty much on track with that commitment. Are you competing with Poet on their Emmitsburg plant to try to be the first, or you just uh, figure that they're also trying to do what you're trying to do and you're on your own timeline? Well, there are a number of companies that, that are involved in the industry. Clearly, Poet is, is one of those players. Um, Abengoa, uh, as well, with their facility in, uh, in Hugoton, Kansas. Um, and while, yes, in the traditional sense, I, I would say that we're competitors, I mean, we believe that this is such a large opportunity out there. There, there are room for, for many uh, to take on this, this challenge and, and capture this opportunity. So um, it, it, it isn't really a race to see who's first. It really is about delivering this technology and within the promises that, that we have made in support uh, of the RFS re requirements. So, um, th yeah, they're traditionally, like I said, competitors of ours, but we also wish them all well because we think delivering this technology is, uh, is so important, and um, we've all had slightly different approaches, and, uh, and over time, you know, things will, will start to shake out as to what's the, the most efficient and the best way to go. Well, the goal is to produce advanced biofuel, in your case, cellulosic ethanol. Are there misconceptions people have about these advanced biofuels or the market that's going to be available for them? Well, I think one of the misconceptions uh, out there uh, has, has certainly been that, that the technology is a long way away. And um, this is one of my key messages lately has been that this, this technology is here right now. We, we really have made some amazing advances in our ability to unlock the sugars that, that Mother Nature so efficiently polymerizes together in, uh, in the different biomasses that, that are out there. So um, with these plants kind of coming out of the ground now, you can see you know, DuPont is putting $200 million of its own money in, in to build one of those facilities. So I'd say that's first. Um, one of the other misconceptions is I, I think that folks think this is all about just about cellulosic ethanol, and clearly that will be the first big wave. But as, I, as I've said many times, 
unlocking these sugars and making them available for further processing is really the key here. And we make ethanol today because we know how, but in the future, it opens up biopolymer, biochemical opportunities, biomaterials, and allows us to take that next really big step towards uh, and kind of an oil independence, if you will. And you know, we've got such a such a great amount of biomass here in in, in the U.S. in North America that it's a shame that we're still importing so many so much oil in, into this uh, country. So, uh, I'd say the final misconception that I hear a lot out there is around the RFS and. Uh, some, some folks today talking about the RFS being broken, and I think that couldn't be further from the truth. It was a very elegant piece of legislation. It created the, the world's largest supply of, of, uh, supplier of biofuels here in, in, in North America, almost 15 billion gallons in a, in a very short period of time, so it was very successful on that first edge. Uh, but it also possesses all of the tools within it to adjust to the market realities that we've seen unfold over the last few years. So whether it's a drought situation and those, those volumes need to be dialed back a little bit or, or whether it's some delays in the technologies and they need to be adjusted, uh, the RFS is, is, has all of those tools there, and we saw EPA recently use those tools with their latest update on the 2013 uh, volumes, and we expect them to do the same thing for 2014. Jim Collins, um, during the week that this is going to be run, you are part of a group of specialists who are going to be testifying before a Senate Ag Committee hearing on biofuels. Uh, could you give us an idea of what your message is you're going to be delivering to uh, Ms. Stabenow and others? Well, I think I've, I've shared part of it already, the, the idea that the technology is here and now and companies like DuPont are investing their own resources to begin to build these facilities at out along with companies like Poet, uh, DSM, and, uh, and, and Abengoa and, and others. Um, the, the, the message about this being a, a much bigger uh, play from a technology perspective than, than I think folks realize and their continued uh, stable support for the policy that's allowed us to get to this point is so, so critical right now as we, as we try to take that next big step. And to really ask them to think beyond biofuels to this idea of a cellulosic economy uh, and, and, and really realize that that they're helping this country take the next big step towards energy independence. The, the, those will be the core. I, I will talk a little bit about the RFS again and how, my, my belief in, in how, how capable that piece of legislation is to adjust um, as needed uh, as the market changes, as, as these forces kind of ebb and flow as we go through. In corn country, there is one more question that I'm not sure you can have an answer for, but I'm sure you have an appreciation of, and that is you're asking growers to give up their stover that they've normally incorporated back into the soil to produce the next crop. You're attempting to buy that from them at this time. Uh, do you believe you're going to be able to get interest in selling you the stover you need to produce cellulosic ethanol? Uh, it's a great question, uh, Ken. Um, and let me start by saying that we're, we're in the third year uh, of our contracting work in and around the Nevada uh, location. Uh, working with local growers, and, and I, I just couldn't be prouder uh, of of that group of you know very progressive growers that recognized this opportunity and have really stepped out and and joined us as as part of um, uh, the pilot and testing. And you know they've they've taught us a lot uh, about how to do this uh, sustainably. At the same time, you know we have Pioneer uh, with us in our in our orbit, and and the Pioneer agronomists, you know they understand those acres about as well as anyone, and. 
what we've started to see is as we've continued to breed strongly for yield, you can directly equate the amount of residual biomass in the field to yield. So the problem 10 years ago, you know, was, was manageable. Today, 10 years later, with these super yielding hybrids and the, and the planting population that we're getting out there, you know, this, this remaining stover on fields is actually becoming a problem. And many growers have come to us saying, you know, I actually view this as a benefit, not, not, a, not a takeaway. And we're showing now and working with Pioneer and these last uh, three years of, of sustainable harvest that we can actually demonstrate yield advantages to, to, uh, due to removing a little bit of the stover off of the fields. And, and I stress a little bit, I and mean, when we're talking about maybe taking a third of the stover off of any given field every third year, and we've worked out a, a very nice rotational approach to doing that so that we, you know, number one, most importantly, preserve the productive capacity of, of that soil that we, that we all cherish so much. Second, we, we do the stover removal in a very sustainable way that uh, allows us to continue to, to have that valuable resource. And we do it in a way that really flanges up nicely with how farmer uh, operates their, 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 their uh, production facility or their farm. And so we can go in and be a custom harvester and help them or, or, or take it ourselves, or we can help them uh, do it. Uh, we're just trying to work out the, the plan to be very flexible, but also assure that we have the some 300,000 tons of stover uh, ready to go when the plant starts up that we're going to need to sustainably run that facility. Uh, and as you know about corn harvest, uh, we have a pretty narrow window every year to grab all of that stover and get it baled and stacked and, and ready to survive uh, throughout the remainder of the year. So um, long answer, but I'm, I'm actually very encouraged by what we're seeing. Uh, it, it, it's turning out to be beneficial for growers. Uh, in terms of their productivity. It's turned out to be beneficial in that they generate some additional revenue off of those acres, and it's turned out we're getting a, a, a pretty need, needy raw material to, to help make this plant run. Well, Jim Collins, certainly 2014 is going to be a um, watershed year for cellulosic ethanol, and uh, we thank you very much for explaining to us what DuPont is attempting to do and how you're bringing it along. Uh, what you're talking about as you speak before the Senate Agriculture Committee and your views on the renewable fuel standard. Thank you for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Well, Ken, thanks for the, uh, for the opportunity, and I know many of your listeners are strong supporters as well, and all I can say is you know, keep talking about the, the advantages of what we're trying to do, and uh, again, appreciate your support. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by the crop insurance industry, providing peace of mind now and for the next generation of agriculture. I'm Ken Root.